Hello all, I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. And we're a couple of small town gays who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Together, we'll examine each episode of this trailblazing series through the lens of our own queer experiences. We'll dive deep into the stacks to break down each episode, share some behind-the-scenes trivia at Scooby meetings, and explore queer themes as we stand against the forces of darkness. So whether you're a first-time watcher or you've been a fan since the old ones walked the earth, we invite you to join weekly patrols of the Sunnydale streets with your Buffy Buffy Gaze! believe this episode well the hellmouth the center of mystical convergence supernatural monsters been there a little blase there aren't you you can be blase about some things kyle but not about buffy the vampire slayer i'm not worried if there's something bad in the episode we'll find it we'll make fun of it we'll party this has to be a dream a dream is a wish your heart makes this is a podcast On this episode of Buffy Gaze, we'll be pinching ourselves as we discuss the 10th episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Nightmares. We'll face our deepest fears as we dive deep into the episode to examine and recap without spoiling the broader series. We'll try to keep our clothes on and remember our history test as we rank Nightmares from 1 to 10 stakes and name our episode MVP. And we'll try to hurry and examine the queer themes of the episode before reality falls completely into the realm of nightmares. So get ready to metaphorically punch a clown and sing a Puccini aria with your Buffy Buffy gaze. gaze. Okay, so real quick before we start, I have to ask you, um, do you understand the reference that I wrote around Blasé? I don't think so. Okay, that's good. So listen, any listeners out there, if you understand my reference, specifically where I said, you can be blasé about some things, Kyle, but not about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I would like you to write in. And if Is you, it the birdcage? No, stop guessing. It's for them to write in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and freebie, it's not the birdcage. Um, I would like you to uh, DM us or email us and let us know if you recognize that reference. And if uh, you, if somebody sends it in, we'll shout it out in the next episode. And if nobody says anything, we'll just act like this never happened. All right. Um, oh, you have to. Okay. <laughs> you have to tell me at some point. I will. I'll tell you off. Off okay. screen. Uh, off I was. Mic. I was caught off guard. Usually, I start the banter, mm, changing <laughs> it up. Well. I had to have it that way to say my blase line. Right. <laughs> so, well, no, I mean, like, after we do our little skit thing, mm-hmm. usually scat. I'm the one who starts after it. But you, you did that. Good Good job, Zach. Good Changing it up. It's this uh, whiskey sour drink that I'm having. <laughs> it's getting me crazy. Crazy. Yeah, uh, before we get started with our trivia, I wanted to mention we got our second mm. ever uh, DM from a listener... Uh, I, I was I meant to have it pulled up, but I believe I remember everything. Uh, so thank you very much, Katie, on Instagram. Oh, nope, that's not it. Wait. Damn it. There we go. <laughs> Applause. <laughs> thank you very much, Katie, on Instagram for reaching out to us. Katie mentioned... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that that uh, she was listening to Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Uh, she wanted to let us know that uh, Here Endeth the Lesson does come from liturgical uh, tradition, mm-hmm. uh, that we were correct about that from all sorts of places. Yeah. And, and also, she had some great stories about beepers in high school. Yes. She was telling, uh, she was telling us about how... Uh, she went to high school in the 90s and beepers were like a thing, like a bunch of people had them and they'd get them taken away in class. Mm-hmm. You know, like they do cell phones. Right. And uh, I also, very shortly before she sent us that message, I saw some like infographic on Facebook or something that was saying how there was this like secret code for beepers and she kind of mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember, I can't really remember any of them, but it was like, you didn't, you couldn't put very much on there. So it was just like a few numbers or something like that would mm-hmm. like mean something. Right. So very and, interesting. And thank she, you. Thank you. For... She mentioned something about how the administration at her school thought, like they just assumed if you had a beeper, you were a drug dealer. Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe. Uh, I thought that was her. Maybe that was a conversation I had with uh, Galen the other day. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I know. And <laughs> complete tangent i know in glee season like four or five whichever the first one in new york is rachel gets a boyfriend spoilers for glee if you Mm -hmm. haven't seen it and care about this uh rachel gets like a boyfriend or she's into this guy named brody Mm -hmm. who has a beeper and santana moves to new york with rachel and kurt and santana Mm -hmm. finds brody's beeper and (laughs) she's like the only people who have beepers are drug dealers and prostitutes and it (laughs) turns out that brody is a male sex worker Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just completely brought that all flooding back to wow. me. Wow, it's actually all come full circle now. Yes. So thank you, Katie, for uh, reaching out to tune us. Tune in next week for our Glee podcast. <laughs> right. Glee gaze. Glee, glee gaze. That sounds, That doesn't I don't have know. the same uh, ring to it. Well, it sounds like one word. Glee gaze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll workshop mm. it. We'll get back to you. <laughs> okay, Zach, do you have any trivia about this episode for us? Yes. Sorry, so let me get my iPad all situated here. I don't know why I never do this before we start. Okay, here we go. Right. So, the 10th episode, Nightmares, aired on Monday, May 12th, 1997. And this episode is the third episode directed by director Bruce Seth Green, who also directed Teacher's Pet and The Pack. This is, uh, I'm going to say it right now, this is his first W. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I have to say, so, you know, once again, this is not the actor Seth Green, different person. Yes. (laughs) But I want to mention that we have been pretty complimentary, actually, of like his directing. Yeah, by that, I mean, it's the first good episode he's directed, but he has had good directing. No, no, no. It is. I'm really glad you said that because it's worth bringing up. Like Uh he's had like the shittiest storylines kind of. And has, but has been a good, like, he's done good direction uh-huh. with what he had. And it's like, before they were like, these episodes are shitty, we'll give them to you to like make them look and good. And this episode is, they're like, oh, this is a, this is a, like a good episode and we need yeah. a good person for this. So come oh, here, Bruce, Seth Green. Far and above. This is your day the, in the sun. Far and above the best of the three episodes that oh, Bruce yes. Seth Green directs. <laughs> yes, season. absolutely. Um, the only real trivia I have that I'm not just going to pepper into the rest of the conversation is that this is our first occurrence of astral projection in the show. Mm. So first yes, it is. time we are dealing with astral projection. I don't know that I can remember when it happens again, but uh, I it mean, maybe back. it doesn't. First can also be last. There are, I've noticed, a lot of things 
in this episode specifically that get uh-huh. pulled out in the later uh-huh. episodes. Oh, uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I think I recognize some of those too. I want to mention, since we're still in the trivia and you told me to do this last week, mm-hmm. uh, the writers of this episode, ah. uh, this is one of the episodes that has uh, the credits for writers listed as story by and teleplay by. So okay. the story is by Joss Whedon. No surprise there. It's a kind of a big episode and he often writes the story for the bigger episodes. So just to clarify, story is like he came up basically with the idea and then teleplay would be they wrote the script, the people who wrote like... I believe that is what that What means. the actors actually say. So the story is by Joss Whedon. So he came up, uh, I presume, with the concept and like the things that were going to happen in right. the episode. And then David Greenwalt wrote the teleplay. So okay. I imagine he wrote the actual script for it. And he wrote one of the ones we just talked about, didn't he? I think so. He wrote one. Of, he wrote. He's written one or two episodes in season one already, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the writers of the episode. I just want to keep tabs on that because I know they will be repeated, and some of mm-hmm. the uh, some of the writers from this, these first few seasons will end up dropping off, and we'll get new writers soon. A couple of them are who are like really well known for writing Buffy episodes in mm-hmm. particular. So I just wanted to mention them. All right, well, it's time to move on to the segment where we dive deep into the episode and we're going to share our thoughts. If you haven't seen the entire series, you don't have to be afraid because we we will not spoil anything that happens beyond this episode. Uh, we're only discussing what has happened up to the end of this episode. Yes. So if you haven't seen this episode yet, watch that first. Yeah, um, absolutely. Unless you don't care about spoilers for this episode. Yeah, yeah. whatever. We'll just uh, allude to foreshadowing in the cheekiest manner possible. Yeah, absolutely. Some che- There is some foreshadowing in this episode, oh, I feel like. yeah. Okay, so we open up in the master's lair. Uh, there's lots of candles, and we see a long shadow on the rocky wall, and it turns out it's Buffy, and she has these little cute pigtail braids. Mm-hmm. I, liked. <laughs> I noticed her hair color looks lighter. Oh, And uh, it actually got pointed out in IMDb. I didn't mention this in the last episode, I don't think, but it was pointed out on IMDb that her hair is a little bit lighter in the previous episode because Mm -hmm. she was filming, uh, I think it was either I don't know, or I know what you, yeah, it was I know what you did last summer. Mm. And she, uh, so her hair had to be a little bit longer and like lighter in color for that. Gotcha. Well, I didn't uh, notice at all. Yeah. Well, I just noticed in this opening shot, really, Mm -hmm. that it reminded me a lot more of her hair in like season two and kind of three. Interesting. So, So, oh, gosh, this is like peak Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, we are like Mm -hmm. really getting into the Sarah Michelle Gellar like is in all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I also wrote, come on, sequin pants. (laughs) Oh, How did I not notice sequin pants? They're like only really visible for a second. Uh, Okay, gotcha. I, I, when I saw this, I was like, okay, well, clearly this is a dream. But how does Buffy know what the Master's Leo looks like? And then I was like, oh, Buffy has prophetic dream stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, also, it's kind of like a, like a, TV, like, I mean, I know that the Master's Lair is a TV set, <laughs> yeah. but it's kind of like extra TV set, like, like that stained glass lighting motif that's happening on the wall behind them. I thought uh-huh. it was really funny. I'm like, where is that light coming from? <laughs> I like that the pool of Kool Aid blood is just there still. Oh, yeah. Like, is that just. It's casually in the background of like every shot. Is that, yeah, I know. Every time we're in the Master's Lair, it's, is it just like a geographical, like, anomaly? Does this, <laughs> how big is this hole? Like, how far down does the blood Maybe go? how big is your hole? Oh, that was really bad singing of that song. Uh, anyway, sorry, everybody. Uh, but yeah, um, 
No, I I, th- I noticed that too, and I was thinking mm-hmm. tonight when we were rewatching it to get ready for this. Uh, if we ever do Patreon content, we should make um, cocktails, and one of them should be the Kool-Aid Blood Hole. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I listen to this podcast sometimes called This Podcast Will Kill You about infectious diseases, and mm-hmm. they always have a quarantini, an alcoholic oh. drink, based on the disease they're talking about. That's fun. Yeah. So I, I just want to say, too, when the master like chokes her or whatever in the dream... Uh-huh. You do get a nice glimpse of that sparkly shirt he has under that leather coat. Oh, it yeah, is this, very sparkly. This episode is very horror-y. This mm. is like maybe oh, yeah. the most horror-y episode we've gotten so horror-y. far. Horror-y. Yes. Very technical term. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like the the master is like stalking Buffy as she's walking around his lair and trying to find him. And it ha- I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's that kind of um, deep kind of droning like bass music that, uh-huh. that they put in horror movies that is like psychologically designed to produce mm-hmm. um, feelings like the, of unease in the kind audience. of like the like the inception like horn blare but like more yeah understated. like you'll notice in tons of horror movies i watched a whole youtube video about this <laughs> and it's like it's at some kind of frequency or something where it like causes you to feel like uncomfortable mm-hmm. a little bit like in the back of your mind yeah. So, yeah, I, I noticed that real big in this scene. Yeah, uh, I it was very, it's very, like, suspenseful. Mm-hmm. The master is, like, stalking her. He surprises her. She drops her stake, and he, like, has his hands around her neck, and she's yelling, no, no. Not the sparkle shirt. Yes. <laughs> and then as she's yelling no, we cut to her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And Buffy is yelling no. Well, she's not really yelling. She's kind of whimpering, no, no, and... Uh, Joyce is like, yes, you have to get up. So Joyce is waking I, her up for school. Once again, she is wearing a white tank with a tiny square graphic on the <laughs> yes. chest. This one looks like a, an Art Nouveau print. Mm. I'm not. I, it's I funny that it. like this, she's she wore this to bed, but she also wears these tank tops to school. <laughs> well, she has a hundred of them apparently. So. It's just funny to me that she will wear to school what she also wears to go to sleep in. Maybe she mm. just has so many and this one has like a hole in the bottom or something. <laughs> I mean, I wear I would do that sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean me too, but we're I mean, Buffy seems to care about her appearance a little bit more than one thing I, noticed, <laughs> I would consider one, you or I. One thing I noticed was the uh, leopard print handkerchief she has on the lamp. And I, they've I been changing, that. I think, cuz huh. I think they were like there was definitely one where it was like a solid color, like a red or like a purple or something. Huh. And she's I just noticed... putting different handkerchiefs on her lamp. <laughs> yes. I noticed the crochet pillow covers. They've oh, yeah. probably been there before, but I just oh, yeah, noticed no, no. them, really. I've seen them before. I noticed them in Angel. I never did see oh, anything yeah. like that, though. And her little phone is really cute. It's like this really interesting kind of sculptural little, <laughs> uh, like, you know, like old-fashioned telephone with the... I mean, it, 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 we, we say old-fashioned now, but it's like the one with the little dial pad and then like the receiver, you know, oh. and the cord and everything. I mean, I've never used it like an actual rotary phone. So. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Interesting. I've only ever used the little keypad ones. It's been a long time since I've used one, but I have used them. I mean, I have seen and experienced like unplugged rotary phones, uh-huh. but I've never used an actual the, one. Uh, the guy I worked for when I was in uh, high school had one. Um, and it, it went out eventually. I think it got hit by lightning or something. And, uh, <laughs> what? <he> bought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like super common. Way for, to bury the lead. It's super common for phone lines to get hit by lightning. Huh. It's like not unusual. 
and uh, like my grandma lost probably three or four computers to it. This is the biggest tangent ever, but imagine being the person who invented like the rotary like dial thing <laughs> to dial phone this is numbers. A tangent on a tangent on a tangent. Yes, and then someone comes by and they invent buttons for the mm-hmm. phone, and you're like what the fuck was I thinking? Right. You're like, well, this is so much of what the fuck? Well, I think there was a, there was a few decades in between those inventions. Oh, if that person was alive, I wonder what they thought. Cause if that were me, I'd be like, this idea is so much better than mine. And it's so obvious. Yeah. I think there, there's, I, I I'm not a phone history, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like multiple decades between the buttons and the, rotary dial yeah but people can be alive for multiple decades yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway we have to continue with the episode sure so joyce gets buffy out of bed and she's like oh yeah school and joyce is like you want to go to school <laughs> i better buy a lottery ticket today grand surprise. or no it's time to buy that lottery ticket right uh, which is something you say every single time you win a board game against me, even um, though it happens about 50% of the time. I think it's more like when I win like something luck-based, particularly in a board game. But yeah, yeah I do yeah, say yeah. it a lot. <laughs> and uh, they have this like little conversation about how Joyce talked to Buffy's dad, and they are on for this weekend. This is the first we have ever heard of Buffy's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he was like really briefly mentioned in like the first or second episode was he like because yeah we have highlighted or maybe it was in which because oh, there's yeah. like a very well, it's like which, one line where yeah it's in like, which buffy mentions that they yeah split up but That's like it. specifically like she didn't even say oh my dad and my mom split up she said my parents split up like this right. is the first time we hear anyone refer to buffy's dad at right. all right and like for all we know they split up and he died but <laughs> yeah right so yeah, we know he's alive now he's mm-hmm. gonna spend buff- the weekend with buffy and then we cut to the school mm-hmm. and we're talking more about buffy's dad now with willow uh so willow's there she's talking with buffy we get that kind of that uh, theme of the kid blaming themselves a little bit for the divorce. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, in the way she, Buffy's talking about it. Uh huh. And uh, Willow's kind of like, well, it's it wasn't your fault or something like that. And Buffy's like, yeah, I know. But like, there's, you know, the little reservation in her voice there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says something like, uh, you know, the slaying and everything. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, you can't blame him, basically. Right. So there's that underlying, like, she blames herself a little bit for them breaking up. And uh, Willow mentions, my parents don't even bicker. They just glare. Or, you know, sorry. Sometimes they glare. Sometimes they glare, yes. <laughs> uh, I caught a continuity goof in this uh, scene. Oh. And I was really proud of myself because I didn't find this on IMDb or anything. I just noticed it. Uh, Buffy shuts her locker two times. Oh. She shuts her locker and talks to Willow. And it kind of goes to Willow's face or something, and it cuts back, and her locker is opening, and then she shuts it again. Maybe she forgot something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I I was proud of that. I was Uh like, ha-ha, gotcha. And uh, Willow says, well, at least he still comes down on the weekends. And Buffy says, sometimes... So uh, we're getting some like little nuggets that hang. Oh, sorry, I don't want to say his name just yet. I have a whole thing about his name. Spoiler. It's no, but I I have to wait. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she says sometimes, which is like a little nugget that they drop that like maybe this isn't like a super great father daughter Mm -hmm. relationship. I call this next scene "Get out of my light, bitch." Or or it's also sorry. It also could just be that she 
wishes she could see him more and he only sees her as much as he can. So mm-hmm. whatever. I call this next scene, get out of my light. Bitch. Yes. So, uh, what's Wendell? Wendell is like standing next to Cordelia's desk and she's I, doing her makeup or something. I forgot to look this up. Is Wendell the same guy that they stole hot dogs from in the pack? I don't think he looks so. similar to hot dog guy, but I don't, I don't, I think you're right. I don't think it's the same. Yeah. Guy. I don't think I remember a guy with a ponytail in I, the hot I, dog table. Well, <laughs> he did have long hair for sure. May, it could be, it could I, be him. I was wondering, and I meant to go back and look it up, but I, I feel, I, I think the other guy looked more stonery. Yeah. I, I don't think it was the same person, but are you looking it up right now? Yeah. So Zach just looked it up, and Wendell seems to be only credited for one episode. So we do not believe it is the guy that the hot dog was stolen from. <laughs> Confirmed. Wendell is not hot dog guy. Yes. So anyway, uh, he's in Cordelia's light as she's like doing something in this mm-hmm. little compact mirror. <laughs> and uh, she calls him a doofus. <laughs> uh, and the Xander and Willow are talking about this. And uh, Willow calls Cordelia Avita like, mm-hmm. and they t- they're t- and she says her <laughs> the hair weighs heavy on the yeah, cerebral cortex. Well, Buffy says I think it's the hair, and then yes. Willow delivers the cortex line. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. I yeah I <laughs> I just enjoy their casual shit talking of Cordelia, which is funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh huh. And Xander explains the thing about he got in her light, and he's like, I feel really bad about it, or whatever. <laughs> yes. I can't remember exactly what he Wendell, said. Wendell, I, I like Wendell. Wendell well, is kind of like stealing the scene a little bit. Yeah, it was really funny, too, how he just like immediately kind of dives into their like friend uh-huh. group and starts talking to them. Like, they bond a lot. Yeah, over, I liked it. Over uh, this. I wish we had a little bit more of Wendell. Maybe not a lot, but a little. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, yeah, I don't know. Just a little. Just a little bit. He was a little, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so they're in psychology and they're working on active listening. And mm-hmm. we see that Buffy did her homework. So Xander's like, what are we doing today? And they're like, active listening. And uh, they like show him the book and stuff. You know, the homework. We learn how Xander, was, he remembers what they're talking about because of her, the teacher's midnight blue Angora sweater. Sorry, if you heard a bump on the table just then, that was Zach slamming his glass on the yeah, table, even though we're it. currently recording a podcast. Slammed it! <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, I yes. wrote, Xander uh, ogling a woman? The hell you say? Right, I wrote Xander horny 11 here. We haven't had any Xander hornies si- since Teacher's Pet. It's been like five episodes. What the fuck? Wow, he really grew. I, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, he says, oh yeah, mid, uh, he was... Uh, <sighs> Only to regress. Yes, I can't speak English apparently. So, I did write though when we do see Mrs. Titchler. Come on, leopard print pencil skirt. Uh, yes, she had that uh, <laughs> leopard print pencil skirt on. Which yeah, I enjoyed. So they're talking about uh, when she was talking about this the last time. She's wearing a tight sweater, and Xander is like, "Oh yeah, midnight blue angora." I remember or something like that. And I was like, Xander does not know that that sweater was midnight blue and that it was Angora. Who, who the fuck wrote this line? Well, maybe that was David Greenwald. What the fuck? Maybe that was back when they thought they were going to make Xander gay. Perhaps. Oh, oh <laughs> maybe that he has a uh, fashion knowledge. Possibly that I know is gay. And I really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely uh, would not recognize Angora if I just saw it. Yeah, me I'm either. I was like, Z- there's no way Xander knew all those details. Angora is a sweater. fabric, right? Wait. Hey, I, I just use my gay card? Angora is like, it's like, I want to say it was some kind of like rabbit. Mm-hmm. Fur That's what I thought. Or something like that. 
Anyway, okay. so Buffy drops her pencil and then she like looks at the door of the classroom and there's a little kid there. And Ooh. she is once again wearing, okay, in this scene she's wearing identical gigantic pink plastic rings, <laughs> one on each hand. And I noticed this one. I didn't notice it the first couple times I watched it to prepare, but this last time they fucking light up. She's wearing oh. light up. Oh my god! Pink, plastic gigantic <laughs> rings. I I said last episode I needed to pay more attention to Buffy's hands, I, and I didn't notice those. I don't know what has gotten me so like hyper aware of these things. I mean, you noticed that you noticed them once, and you just gotta keep it keep it going. They're just massive. They're <laughs> so big. That is that is so funny to me, especially since I did not see them at all. Like I don't even know how she'd be able to reach like into pockets. <laughs> Well, women's pants don't have pockets. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Thanks a lot, fucking patriarchy. Yeah, right. When she sees that little, like that that boy at the door, I was was like, is that the anointed? Oh, my. Thank you so fucking much. (laughs) I actually have right underneath. I wanted to say, before we get into this, I just want to really say... The cinematography of how they have and the the storytelling note of how they say the teacher is saying she's discussing um, human needs and she lists the need to be heard Mm -hmm. along with like all these other important things. And then we see Billy, which is really actually great because Mm -hmm. Billy's story is so central to what's happening. That was a really nice subtle touch there. And then... I wrote in bold underneath, mention getting confused about the annoying one if you haven't already. Because <laughs> yes. every time I've watched this episode before, I was like, I thought Billy and the annoying one were like the same fucking person. Why? <laughs> that was our ice maker. Yeah, if you I, heard thought, <laughs> I thought Billy and the annoying one were the same fucking person. Why did they hire two kids that look almost exactly the fucking same? That's what I was thinking. Like, make it a, a blonde boy or something. Or crazy thought... A person of color. Uh, Weird. Uh, you know what? Or in you know, Sunnydale. Or make it a boy. Or I mean, or, sorry. Or make it a girl. Maybe uh-huh. I don't know something because it was like when I first watched this, they look so similar. I mean, like the one kid, they obviously look different if you like looked at them right next uh-huh. to each other. But like, if you're kind of casually watching the show, it's so easy to be exactly. like, because I was like, oh fuck, this is how the anointed is gonna like lead Buffy to the master. <laughs> right. What is he doing? What is his trick? And then I'm like, oh, this is two different fucking kids. Right. And when you like, if you're paying a little bit of attention, you can see that the anointed one is a little bit younger than him, but like, it's still really easy to confuse them. Anyway, after mm-hmm. she sees him, Wendell opens his book and there are spiders and a bunch Whoa. of spiders crawl out and like go all over the classroom. Is that everyone, everyone's screaming and we cut to the intro. I wrote, Louisa can make it with a whole jar of spiders in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> you love a good sound of music reference. I do. Okay, it's okay to tell that reference. By the way, don't forget to uh, write in if you recognize the uh, blase reference at the beginning. <laughs> yes, yes. Please. I, I only changed a, uh, I only inserted Buffy the Vampire Slayer where uh, the original word was. If you're one of the 10 people who listens to our episode <laughs> within the week that it's <laughs> that it's released, uh, please write in. Uh, so after the intro, we cut to the master's lair, and the master is talking about fear to the anointed one. Colin. Colin is his name. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's named Colin. <laughs> yes, all the, all vampires are Colin. I'm surprised the kid's name wasn't Colin. <laughs> right. Billy. I know. <laughs> it's like the only name they know. 
Colin the Vampire Slayer. Well, he wasn't a vampire, so that's true. It would have made you know less sense. <laughs> yes, Colin. Colin is reserved for vampires. <laughs> <laughs> master's favorite vampire is Colin. Always. Uh huh. The master except is... for Luke. Yes, and Darla. Colin uh, it's not Colin the master (laughs) the master's name is also Colin he just he just goes by the master Um, his name is Heinrich Joseph Nest we've already established Uh, that's uh, he changed his name anyway (laughs) he goes by Colin (laughs) so he's talking about fear and he's saying our fears define us and he's talking about how we vampires fear this symbol these two Mm -hmm. planks of wood but uh, fear is just in the mind and he goes up and he puts his hand on it for a while and i wrote here the master is kinky right (laughs) i well and this is not the the last time that we will experience this whole thing and not the first Mm -hmm. time actually with vampires kind of allowing themselves to be harmed by a or you know come in contact with a cross we've already seen angel do it when Uh he leaned in for a smooch and it's kind of like uh, maybe they intended this, maybe not, but like it's kind of like a reinforcement that crosses don't kill vampires, right. they just hurt them and, and they're are afraid scary. of them because of that. And again, it's really fucking confusing to have this little kid who looks just like the other little kid. <laughs> exactly. I keep saying fuck so much in this part, it's I'm, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, irritated about you it. You will never surpass me. It's really wild seeing this kid in the same like back to back scenes, and it's like, I mean. It is kind of silly now that I didn't notice that it was a different kid, <laughs> but they're similar looking. Okay, I know. Anyway, I was like, I mean, I was looking at him really closely because yeah. I didn't realize I wasn't sure whether they were the same person. I'm really the thing glad that really that gave it away still. was the hair. Yeah, their hair. Like mm-hmm. uh, Colin, anointed Colin's hair is has a lot more volume and is a lot more kind of tamed. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Billy's hair is kind of you know, hanging it's, it's down, a, yeah, it's kind of longer. So anyway, I want to say I want to get off of the whole Colin Billy thing. I'm gonna let it go <laughs> for now, uh, and I want to talk about. Um, I was wondering what is the purpose of this scene actually uh-huh. in the broader story, because it's not to remind us that like the master exists. We've already we had that at the beginning. Uh huh. But I did notice that he does say this line, that line you mentioned about fear. Uh, be- fear is in the mind like pain it can be controlled if i can face my fear it cannot master me uh-huh. so they like weirdly had the master who is the big bad of this season kind of uh giving us the moral of the story yeah, which i right. thought was really an, an interesting idea yeah it's like the the whole episode is about fear and uh they're also talking about how uh the anointed one feels a change happening. Right. And there's like evil stuff happening Something above. Something is going on, right. And there's change for the worse. So the master knows that something's up. And I mean, I feel like showing him a second time in this episode is kind of important. Because uh, I mean, the first time was just in Buffy's dream. Mm-hmm. Her nightmare. And this time is the actual master. And then later in the episode, it is like both the actual master and her nightmare. Right, which we'll, you know, continue to discuss this. But there's this really nice and very interesting blurring of the lines of is this actually happening or Uh not, which is very cool. Uh, So I guess we need to move on to Uh dropping Buffy off at school where she's like weirded out about her bag. And Joyce says, 
you and your dad can swing by and pick up your bag. It's not an international yeah. crisis. <laughs> right. Buffy's worried really that she left her bag at home. Like mm. the good part of town is about a block away from the right. bad part of town. So there's not a lot of town here. Yeah. You will be, you can get to the house pretty quick to get your bag. And then there's, she's, I think, uh, I didn't write down the exact conversation, but they have, like, she's like, are you worried your dad's, like, mm-hmm. not going to come or something if you don't have your bag or something like that? And uh, so we're dropping these breadcrumbs of uh, Buffy being really afraid to be rejected yes. by her father, which is a very big theme in this episode. And also I wanted to note, uh, Joyce says, uh, you know he adores you no more than I do, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's not a lot of Joyce in this episode, but I was wondering maybe if that was like, maybe that's Joyce's fear that Buffy that thinks Buffy, her dad ooh, loves her more than nice. she does. Yeah. Maybe. Perhaps Joyce. No, I like that. This is like the last time Joyce is in the episode, but I don't know, maybe. A little bit. Yeah. Joyce even gets a little bit of her own fears Uh that maybe Buffy prefers her dad. Yeah. I was thinking that might be the case. Uh, Also, I noticed I... she when she leaves there's a sound of a car starting but i don't know if i see her starting the car or what she does like move it's, like she's shifting gears or something yeah it seems like she was parked with the mm-hmm. car off like she cut the engine <laughs> in front of the school and then she starts the car like she's again the to only leave. one dropping a kid exactly off. like have you seen car drop uh, school drop-off lines yeah and i mean i worked at just a tiny ass little rural school district and there were it was always like you know when it was time it was packed exactly like if you leave our apartment at 3 a.m there's a school like just down the street and like Mm -hmm. there's always already cars lined up all the way down this like super long driveway 3 a.m did i say 3 a.m i think you did i meant 7 (laughs) (laughs) a.m so anyway going on at 3 a.m right uh we cut into the hallway then and Willow's really skeeved out by these skiders, skiders? <laughs> by these spiders. Uh, you might say she has the Wiggins. I want to say, oh yeah, nice. There, I want to say I did see the Smoking Sucks poster oh. in the background when they're walking. It did not have a crossbow bolt wound, though, so this must be Gosh, a different gotcha. one. <laughs> it must be. Uh, I want to mention that Willow says, she's talking about why spiders are creepy, and the last thing she says is... <laughs> What do they need all those legs for anyway? I was going to say, wait a minute. Did you, does that line in particular uh, spark anything for you? Uh, I have like, I have this little like starter flame in my brain. What do they need all those legs for Uh. anyway? (laughs) Yes. Anyway, (laughs) people who have seen the show will know. But uh, if you haven't seen, don't worry. We won't go beyond that. That's our cheeky foreshadowing. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. And uh, there's uh, there's no way you could... I don't think you could guess what I was talking about. Right. Uh, Xander is talking about how he's unruffled by spiders, mm-hmm. but he's scared of Nazis. He says if, yeah, if a bunch of Nazis crawled all over his face, which is cheeky foreshadowing for a, a little beat that happens later on in the episode. It is. Was, was a nice touch. Uh-huh. I again. noticed like, that. The storytelling in this episode, I have to say, in the past, I have skipped this one. Oh. But on rewatch, this I really appreciate this, especially like looking at it in greater detail and not just kind of like uh-huh. having it on in the background or whatever. I just, there are a lot of very like well crafted storytelling yes. uh, techniques in this episode. Mm, that it's I, really are, good. It's are really good. And also, this is I think this and which are the only episodes I actually remember from this season because I remembered a lot okay. of stuff about this episode. 
Uh, so Xander is basically like, I'm not really like a whole super scared of a lot of things, except for Nazis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we cut to the library. Oh, and then this is where I got oh, my sorry. inspiration because uh, Buffy says Xander's being blasé. And I wrote that again in my notes. Oh, okay. Where I said, you can but be is it in the hallway? about something, Xander, but not about the hell now. Is it in the hallway? Uh, yeah, it's before they go in the so library. So Buffy meets up with them and then they go into the yeah. library. And they're like, Giles said he was going to look this stuff up. So they've been looking into the spiders crawling out of the book. And they can't find him. And he, like, comes out of the back. And he's really confused looking. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, I really love how they build it. Uh-huh. They really, like, build up the story. Because Giles is, like, confused. And, of course, like, him being, like, books are, like, this key part of his identity. Mm-hmm. So, naturally, he wouldn't say anything about not being able to read because he'd be like embarrassed and weird about it. So the fact he's kind of just like letting himself run around confused and trying to figure it out before he brings it up to them is like a really nice yeah. uh, touch. And so they ask him about it and he says, I didn't find anything particularly illuminating. <laughs> and he suggests that they go talk to Wendell. Also during the scene, uh-huh. Xander like puts his hand on Willow's shoulder. Oh, he has this whole little thing where he's like, did you find anything about spiders coming out of books? Yes. Big, hairy, crawly, and then Willow <laughs> hits him, and he's like, it's funny if you're me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great piece of banter. Uh, very high-quality banter. So then uh, we cut outside. And hitting, I guess. Yes. <laughs> we cut outside with Wendell. They're going to talk mm-hmm. to him. I, um, Buffy has a lollipop again here. Uh-huh. And I was like, Buffy loves a lollipop. Oh, yeah, especially this first season. <laughs> it's very Jiggly Caliente. I was going to say, she's the Jiggly Caliente of <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I just wanted to note in this scene, first of all, I called this Waffling with Wendell because I was going for a Gilderoy Lockhart all right. uh, scene naming convention. <laughs> I guess it'd probably be like Waffles with Wendell if it was actually... Anyway. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, these are perhaps some of the most normal outfits I have ever seen Buffy and Willow wear, and I am mm-hmm. saying that in terms of the broad uh, series as well. <laughs> yeah, so Buffy has on this, like, it's kind of like a sleeveless top, and it has, like, these, like, big wide stripes of, like, blue, white, and black. Uh-huh. And Willow's just, just plain wearing... black pants, and then she's mm-hmm. got the, like, powder blue jacket. Yeah, she's not wearing Angel's jacket in this she episode isn't. for once. And Willow has on this, like, it's a black dress with white polka dots. It has like a little white polka dots on it, and she's wearing this red jacket, jacket over it. Oh, oh, I thought it was orange. Weird. I said, but and she has green tights on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very... it's like a little quirky, but still very like. I mean, you could. These are like really real outfits. I feel like I compared agree. to some of the crazier shit they wear, <laughs> right? And uh, so they're talking to Wendell. Uh, he says something about this has happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And basically what he's, oh, <laughs> before before they actually get into the weeds with this, mm-hmm. uh, Xander says something about uh, insects crawling over all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're arachnids. They have eight legs, not six. Why does everyone make that mistake? And then Xander says they're from the Middle East. <laughs> that was really weird. Wait, I don't get that. I, I'm assuming it's kind of racist, actually. Maybe it's supposed to sound like air, air Arabic. Arabic? Yeah, I know. That's why I said it was kind of racist. Yeah, that's weird. But anyway, yeah, I had never heard, I had never noticed that line before. I was kind of like, I didn't even notice it this time. I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so he's talking about uh, how he, oh, sorry. I, I also want to say, again, before we get into the weeds of this whole conversation, <laughs> so while 
whilst Buffy and Willow have normalish outfits, Xander uh-huh. is has not gone normal. He has this He's, very graphic like button down shirt. I on. could not tell what was on Me it. It either. was like it looked like people <laughs> in like different scenes, like hmm. paintings or something maybe, and um, and then these crazy pants that have this like check pattern but oh, like it's a rectangular check pattern huh very strange and then uh, i also wanted to point out that window Wendell has the uh bowling shirt kind of look that all right i remember that being big when i was in school that kind of like it's like a polo slash i can't remember uh-huh. if it was a polo or a button-up but it, it had like that kind of old guy bowling shirt kind of look yeah it was like yeah, beigey with and it had these kind of like lines that made a like kind of abstract check pattern as well. Um, intriguing little little outfit from Wendell there. Intriguing. And he's got those little earrings and everything. Oh, that's so loud. <laughs> Zach does not realize that the microphone in front of him can pick up things other than his voice. Drank. <laughs> so uh, so they during the actual conversation, uh, Wendell talks about how he had these prize-winning spiders. Like he loves mm-hmm. spiders. He's not afraid of them. He loves them. And Xander says, it's platonic, right? I thought that was funny. <laughs> that one was good. And, uh, which, no, was you know, the, the implications the implications of the opposite possibly being true, <laughs> I don't want to get into. Right. <laughs> Let's don't. And uh, he talks about how he had his brother watch him while he was gone at some, like, summer camp or something. And his brother left their heating lamp on the whole time. And mm-hmm. when he came back, they were dead. And he says, I love spiders, but they hate me. Because so, like, he thinks all spiders hate him because his brother killed his spiders. Yes. Which is an odd, uh, it's a big leap, Wendell. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I feel like he, I don't think he's being, like, super literal about it. I mean, all right. I did feel like I... But, like, those are his nightmares. He's talking about his... I don't think he actually believes all spiders in the world consciously hate him. But he said it. He didn't say JK, though. Okay. (laughs) Um, I also think... um, So, like, I, I am not an actor, and this actor did, you know, a fine job. I did feel like he was really intense in a way. He that, was very intense. That like took me out of it just a little bit. Like right. it was a little too much. Yes, I agree. Uh, it was it was a lot. And, and then Cordelia comes by, serving with her black and pink moment. Yes, because she's got the like pink rose print black top and the mm-hmm. sheer pink neckerchief, and she's got a poofy black scrunchie and hot pink pants. And I said, "Work, bitch, work." bitch so she's there and she's like hey uh, are you ready for the history test that's happening today and i really like you could kind of i mean obviously this is a dream kind of cliche like you have a test and you haven't prepared for it but the way they work this in is really kind of seamless Mm -hmm. and you could like they could have done this thing where every step of the way somebody was like I feel like this is a dream <laughs> right. or like, you know, where they're really trying to spell it out for uh-huh. the audience. But that I feel like one of the really cool things about this is that they really trust the audience uh-huh. to follow along and like yes. figure it out. I agree. And it's cause it starts with like Cordelia's telling Buffy about this history test. Buffy didn't know about it. And then it like progressively, it's sort of like this part of the episode 
takes us through the barrier into where reality starts to break down. Right. Because, like, not knowing about a history test, that's, like, whatever. It's a normal thing. And then, uh, right outside of the class, uh, Buffy's like, uh, Cordelia's like, well, it's not surprising you didn't know about the test. You've cut class almost every day. And we're mm-hmm. like, well, what? And uh, and Buffy's like, oh, what am I going to do? And then we go into the history class. So it's kind of like... We know that Buffy is like trying to do well in her classes yeah. and stuff, and there's no way she's cut history class almost every day. And this is a huge mm-hmm. like nightmare cliche. So we're like, it's like we're transitioning into reality actually starting to break down. Yeah, and but it's like it it is enough of kind of a subtlety to be like uh-huh. for you to question like, is this a dream thing? And then when they're in the classroom taking the test, mm-hmm. the lighting is very dreamlike. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. it's like prison lighting sort of, because they get... have the blinds kind of closed on the windows and the lights mm-hmm. filtering through them and these bars. We get time jumps. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Buffy's like trying to take the test and she breaks her pencil and she sharpens it. And after she sharpens the pencil, 50 minutes have passed. I noticed the first question was about Seward's folly. I don't know that. Which is funny because uh, my mom is a Seward originally. <laughs> uh, it's uh, this guy's expedition to um, Antarctica and stuff. Anyway. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But um, yeah, there's time jumps. The teacher looks like a serial killer for some reason. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, we see Billy again. Oh yeah, Bill- we see Billy again while Buffy's uh, taking this test. And uh, the bell rings after like the 50 minute mm-hmm. skip. And uh, everyone leaves and she's just kind of like sitting there. And that's when we cut back into the hallway and we see... Uh, I call this cunnilingus break because of the hand signal that Laura gives her friend. Oh. She's like really quickly, <laughs> I'm going to go take a break. And she does like, like with her two fingers over her uh-huh. lips, which is supposed to be a cigarette, of course. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. like I also immediately... <laughs> that's funny. My, I make fun of Xander for being gross all the time, but my 12-year-old boy self kicked in. Gotcha. <laughs> so this scene is sort of like from the point of view of Billy. He's just kind of walking through the hallways and this girl tells her friend she's going to take a smoke break and go down into the basement. So she mm-hmm. walks down into the basement. I thought it was really cool here how like she closes the door behind her and there's it's so dark that you just can't even see her until she gets to the bottom of the stairs. And she walks up to the, uh, the smoking kills sign. Yes. To light her cigarette, which is a really, really nice touch. Oh, and before she goes in, Billy says, you shouldn't go in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I, I thought was kind of campy and funny. Oh, yeah. Don't go and, down that rod. Yes. People don't go down that rod. <laughs> right. It's my, uh, dude from uh, Pet Cemetery for everybody. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> As she's lighting her cigarette, a man with like a half-scarred face comes in. He says, mm-hmm. lucky 19. Mm-hmm. And he, this is like this part kind of freaked me out a little bit. He it like was very violent. He comes up and like beats the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, incredibly violent. And before we cut to the commercial break, we uh, the camera cuts to the poster that's the gun smoking with a, like a fire on the end of it that says yeah. "Smoking Kills." Yeah, that was a uh, very that was, was a, like ironic. That was, yeah, that was like the ironic goofy Buffy uh-huh. Stinger kind of on it. <laughs> right. And then okay. After the commercial break, we cut to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And this is the only part of the episode where I, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Because Giles and Buffy are in the hospital. And 
it's yeah. the same day. Like, right. Like no. they went straight, like they went with Laura to the hospital. I have a lot of questions about this scene. So first of all, I just wrote this in when we watched it before. I have nothing to back this up, but I feel like I've seen the exact same hospital establishing shot in an episode of Charmed. <laughs> um, it could just be the same hospital or something, but I like I'm like the ambulance and everything. I haven't seen Charmed in several years, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure I've seen that like a very similar, if not exact same shot. Um, I have a thing about the doctor. So they go and talk to her, right? And nothing really happens. And <laughs> well, this okay. Nurse... So before we, before we get to the doctor, mm-hmm. since you since you have stuff about him, so th- they basically go into Laura's room. They're like, nobody saw who attacked her. Jazz is like, oh, I hope Laura saw. She tells them about Lucky Nineteen. Yeah, she tells them about Lucky Nineteen <laughs> and gives them basically no other information. And the nurse is in there, and the she's nurse... like. You guys should leave. <laughs> the nurses, the nurses line delivery I wrote. Can we get an Oscar for this nurse? Because <laughs> right. she's like, "Hi, Laura. <laughs> she needs her rest now." <laughs> I thought the same the thing. Way- <laughs> it was so deadpan. It was like, <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. But yeah, so okay, the doctor. They're walking, and he's like, "Are you family?" And Buffy says, "Friends." And then he just could, proceeds to commit this massive <laughs> yes, HIPAA exactly. violation and tell them all this stuff about her. Oh, and then he like, tells her shit about this random boy. Yes, he's like, they're like, we're her friends. He's like, oh, blah blah blah, this this this. And then he's like, oh, and then the she's probably a victim of this guy, and the first victim is right over here, and he's in a coma. Let's go look at him. Yeah, like <laughs> first of all, he's breaking all kinds of confidentiality. He's just pointing at patients for this, these people <laughs> who just said they're not related to the uh, patient. <laughs> and he's telling him about a crime that's in progress. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do any of those things. <laughs> and what and was the point of even asking if they were family? Uh, he even says specifically, like, specifics about Laura's condition. Yeah. He says she has shattered bones, which, first of all, what the fuck? She did not look like she had shattered bones. Yeah, she, like... And internal bleeding? Well, okay, first of all, her and Billy both... Oh, shit. Her <laughs> and Billy both, neither one of them... Neither one of them have injuries that match the description. <laughs> yeah. She has like a Billy, little like scratch on the corner of her lip and like a like a bandages on her head or something. Just to jump ahead to the end of the, just for the sake of this discussion, jumping ahead to the end, of it, Billy looks fully fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. There's not a scratch. And they say on him. several times ago he was beaten so badly that he was in a coma one for, week ago. Yes. <laughs> And it's only been a week. There's not a scratch on him, not a bruise, nothing. Jesus, like, did he just run out of makeup? What's the, what? What is going on here? But anyway, I just were they scared that if he was bruised, people wouldn't recognize him? And if they're worried about that, why the fuck weren't they worried about him looking exactly like the anointed one? Anyway, so anyway, this scene is like the like the. <laughs> It's we we don't well, let's just move past it. This yeah. is the one scene in this episode where I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, this is the weakest for sure. And, <laughs> and so we go back to the hallway, and uh, we like before we see Willow and Xander, we cut past this guy that says, "If he wants a fight, I'm taking him." Just some random right. guy. I wrote not the T Birds meeting without Danny. Right, Zuko. he's like a greaser. I think this might be one of the guys that Laura was talking about earlier with her friend. 
because she was talking about like someone started was going to start a fight with mm. someone like that. Ooh, so nice catch, could be. I think it might be the person she's yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's good. I, um, I know we both noticed. Well, I had already noticed it, but I know you noticed something that I already noticed about Willow's locker. The oh last yes, time I watched it because I heard you go. <gasps> yes. So in this scene, uh, when Willow w- opens her locker, you can see like up in the top of it, there's like this like sticker mm-hmm. or like something that says Nerf Herder on it. And that's funny for a lot of layers because first of all, Nerf Herder is the band that performs and wrote the intro song. Mm-hmm. And Allison Hannigan is the one who suggested yeah. it to Joss Whedon. So that's a real funny, fun Easter egg. Yeah, I was, I didn't catch it the first time, but I did catch it the second time. And I, like Zach said, I audibly gasped. Yeah, he like, <laughs> we were watching it and he just goes, <gasps> and he like grabs his iPad all <laughs> yes. scrambly, like, I have to write this down. Uh-huh, exactly. Uh, Willow and Xander are talking. Uh, Willow's wondering if maybe Laura could be connected to the dream thing because mm-hmm. Wendell's thing was something that happened in oh, one of his we dreams. We also see a little side note is that Sonny's mom comes to visit him at school. Yes. I called that guy Sonny like the Gre- the guy in Greece because that's who he looks like. Yes. So, so while they're, they're having this conversation about whether the dream thing is connected with the Laura thing, uh, the guy's mom comes in and she's like <laughs> kissing him and stuff. Right. Which, you know, obviously is his nightmare. And again, he was a tough guy. He was talking about killing someone and like breaking yeah. his neck or something. <laughs> right. it he was, was like, it's about honor. And more in like more. He was, oh, he was Zuko. From oh Avatar. yes, da- da- Danny Zuko. Ah, uh-huh. wow, it's all coming together now. <laughs> it's all it's time is a flat circle. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it's another thing that's like reality is messed up at this point because mm-hmm. why would his mom be coming to his school randomly and kissing him all in right. the face? And uh, then Willow and Xander go into some class. And everyone, we see all the other students in the class laughing, and then we cut to Xander, and he's just in his boxers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, because uh, <laughs> well, I remember Speedo Xander from season two. Spoilers: mm-hmm. we will get to see Xander in a Speedo in season two. And wow, and we promise no spoilers. And honestly, to already. honestly, it's great. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and I was, I, I was like, oh, I didn't expect to see Xander's goodies mm-hmm. yet, and I was like. Okay. I did have kind of a crush on Xander when I first watched this show. I, uh-huh. I was I was down for this. <laughs> and uh I thought it was really funny. I, I said I wrote this whole little thing. I was like uh-huh. Xander can't handle being ogled himself. Right. Karma. And then I wrote or as Adore Delano said, Karma. <laughs> um and then I wrote, or is this a deep commentary on how Xander fears being objectified in the way he objectifies women? Possibly. Deep thoughts. Maybe. Uh, he no, also it's, starts... It's dream cliche, but... Right. <laughs> he also starts pinching himself. He's like, this mm-hmm. is a dream, this is a dream. Right. But it's not a dream. Gasp. But yeah, I mean, also, to be fair to Xander, he does ogle women who are dressed. He doesn't ogle the naked women. That is true. I mean, he probably does. Except for the that privacy. time he tried to look at Buffy changing, which exactly. is and he pro- but he probably also does in the privacy is of his own home with some uh, magazines right. he may have stolen. And he did from check out that one book about witchcraft for the nude engravings. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, you might, your points falling apart here, Zach. We've got the <laughs> we've got the receipts. House <laughs> of cards. We cut now back to the library with Buffy and Giles, and Giles is freaking out. He's like, "This can't be happening." He has all these newspapers like spread out over this table, and we find out that Giles can't read. 
<laughs> and Buffy's like, you can read like three languages. And he says, actually, it's five. But these are all gibberish. <laughs> He's very upset about this. Natu- right. I mean, I would be fucked up if I stopped being able to read. Right. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I, he asks Buffy about something. I can't remember it exactly. And then she comes back with, what am I, knowledge girl now? Yeah, so she starts, he shows her like a picture mm-hmm. of, or no, she picks up the newspaper and she sees a picture of Billy. And she says, this is the kid I've been seeing around school. And uh, the, he, she's like, oh, he was, he was put, he like was attacked last week or something and he got put into a coma. And Jaws is like, well, how could he be walking around the school? How could you be seeing him around school? And that's when she says, what am I, knowledge girl? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's such a Buffy thing. Uh-huh. The, and multiple characters do it, and it'll be like, somebody's like, hey, can you hand me some pizza? And you're like, what am I, pizza guy? <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, that's such uh-huh. a thing. It's a Buffyism. And And uh, he proceeds to tell her about astral projection, which, mm-hmm. which is like a way she could be seeing him. He could be astral projecting himself. I want and... to point out... Shh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I want to point out, she said, when she was reading about Billy, she's like, I saw him around and I forgot. And I was like... Is this like an intentional reference to how we like forget dreams after they happen sometimes? Mm. Or is it just a pothole? I want to say, based on the rest of the episode, I think it was intentional. And it was a thing about... Because (laughs) one thing we'll have to talk about at the end of the episode is shit gets fucking wild. Mm -hmm. And nobody seems to remember it. Except for them. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so is it a thing where like when you see Billy, you just kind of forget that he was there because of the dreaminess. Oh, I mean, or maybe she could have just been caught up in the Laura thing, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is, it, it would, it is like, it, I, I do like, because I do she, like that your explanation because like, it is kind of weird that she would forget seeing this random. When she sees school. him more than once before uh-huh. the Laura thing. Exactly. Uh, so back to the astral projection thing. Uh, so Buffy's like, so this uh, this could be Billy's asteroid projection. Or could I be seeing Billy's or no, his, asteroid yeah, body? Yeah, asteroid body. <laughs> no, that was funny. That was a really great one. And uh, she notices that there's a 19 on his baseball uniform in the newspaper clipping mm-hmm. that they're looking at. Lucky 19. And that is when we see Hank Summers come into the library. Mm-hmm. Fucking Hank Summers. Uh, I accidentally wrote in my notes, hang Summers. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Buffy's like, oh, this is my dad. Dad, you're not supposed to pick me up until after school. And he's like, oh, can we speak privately? And before they go, they leave, she introduces him to Giles. I thought this was really mm-hmm. neat with uh, her like sort of surrogate father figure and her right. actual dad like meeting each other. Oh, yeah. I didn't even really think about that too much. I mean, there's lots of stuff in this episode where it's like, Hank is Buffy's dad, but Giles is Buffy's dad. Right. Uh, so, uh, G- uh, not Giles, Hank <laughs> mm-hmm. takes her like off, like outside, and he starts, he's like, oh, I want to talk to you about your mother and I and our split, and you're old enough now to know the truth. And she says, was there someone else? And he says, no, <laughs> nothing like that. And I have like this whole little monologue written out here, and I really want to read it because for it. I loved this part of this episode. Uh, So he says, it was you, having you, raising you, seeing you every day. Do you have any idea what that's like? You don't even see this right in front of your face, do you? Big surprise there. All you ever think about is yourself. 
You get in trouble. You embarrass us with all the crazy stunts you pull. Do I have to go on? You're sullen and rude, and you're not nearly as bright as I thought you were going to be. I mean, Buffy, let's be honest. Could you stand to live in the same house with a daughter like that? And she asks him, why are you saying these things? And he says, because they're true. And she starts crying. Mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Sarah Michelle Geller is great here. And he says, it's not very mature getting all blubbery like this when I'm just trying to be honest. I don't get, uh, to be honest, I don't get anything out of these weekends with you. Why don't we stop doing them? I sure thought you'd turn out differently. And then he leaves. Uh, this is fucking, uh, this was so good. Yeah. Like, it's brutal. Because, I mean, it's not the first time ev- anyone has done the uh, my, I'm the reason my parents split up trope. Mm-hmm. But I cannot think of a single time where you see on screen a parent like looking their kid in the face and saying, you're the reason your mom and I broke up and it's because of all these terrible things about you. Right. And of course, this is one of her nightmares. This is one of her fears Mm -hmm. being played on. And it's so relatable because this is the thing that you could interchange in any relationship where we all kind of think sometimes these terrible things about ourselves. Uh And we wonder, is that other person thinking thinking that? And then to have those fears confirmed, that's like... That is traumatizing. That was it. It was that scene was just so fucking good, and Sarah mm-hmm. Michelle Geller is so great. And in the it. way that like the tears just start falling, uh-huh. and she doesn't like, she doesn't like scrunch face or anything like that. She just kind of like shocked, but like these tears mm-hmm. streaming down her face. I agree. Very it was good. oof. It was crazy. And then she after he it. leaves, uh, Buffy sees Billy mm-hmm. yet again. So we cut to the library. Uh, they're asking where Buffy or Willow is asking where Buffy is. I think <laughs> and Xander is changing into like some gym clothes mm-hmm. or something, and uh, they're telling Giles about what happened. <laughs> and Willow's like, uh, "Oh, he uh, stopped having clothes in front of the whole class. It was really bad." <laughs> yeah, she was about to say something else, or she was thinking. Something uh-huh. else. I can't tell it, either. She was going to say like it was really hot or something like that, or, or it was really funny. I couldn't really yeah. tell. Or both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is Willow. She's complex. That's true. <laughs> and um, I just want to say it's really funny that Giles noticed that Xander's clothes was di- were different. Yeah. Right. That is. Uh, it is really funny, though. It is a that lot is less garish than what he was wearing before, so it does make sense. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, our dreams could be coming true." Oh, hold on, sorry. I have this whole thing right now here because I want to. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Xander says, "So our dreams are coming true." And Giles, dreams. That would be a musical comedy version of this. Our nightmares are coming true. Yes. Which, yet another connection, right? Hmm. To that, uh, to something down the line. Oh. So, bunnies aren't just cute. Like, anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, back in. And then uh, <laughs> Willow asks, after Giles says the line about the musical comedy thing. Uh-huh. Willow says, so why is this happening? And then Giles just says, Billy. And Xander <laughs> yes. says, well, that explanation was shorter than usual. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, yeah, uh, that was very funny. And uh, uh, he's talking about how uh, he sort of gives them an expl- explanation and he says he's bringing the mm-hmm. world of nightmares into reality. 
And Willow's like, well, how? And he says, mm, it's easier on a hell mouth. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, oh, there's like magic just like floating around here. And just right. some random kid in a coma can bring nightmares into the real world. Yeah, which we do have a lot of wacky, uh, you know, fearful pranks ensuing in this. Right. In this first season of just, you know, odd occurrences. I mean, I'm fine with that explanation. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's backed up, I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. by everything that's happened up to now. We've seen and it is much cooler. vampires. We've seen a witch. We've seen a... Fucking substitute teacher was randomly a, <laughs> praying a giant mantis. praying mantis. Hyenas and that's possessing it. students. Hyena spirits, yeah. Uh, a possessed or a uh, an animated puppet that was trying to kill a demon. A demon inside a computer that get, get, gets put into a robot. Right, yeah. We, <laughs> we have seen some wacky stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're like, uh, we have to figure this out or everyone will have to face their nightmares. Uh-huh. And then we, <laughs> we have this really short scene in the hallway with Cordelia yeah. where her hair is really frizzy and she's right. trying to fix fix it and her comb breaks. Okay, I have to say, so the there is audio of the comb snapping and hitting uh-huh. the ground. The comb is completely whole. Like <laughs> she pulls it through her hair and you can see plain as day right after it happens. Like it's, uh-huh. there's nothing wrong with and it. And then she keeps brushing her hair yeah. with it. Yeah, like, it is not broken at all, but I thought that was really funny. I just have to, like, quickly mention... I feel really good about my continuity catches in this episode. Yes. This is supposed to be, like... Obviously, this is supposed to be, like, a comedic thing. Like, <laughs> Cordelia is so obsessed with her hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, you know, that's, like, a real, like, serious nightmare that mm-hmm. a teenage girl or any woman might have because... Right, or it, any person because... Yeah. I feel like we all act like women are the only ones I mean, obsessed just like, with their... Well, not we all, but like... Yes. There's this narrative that women are obsessed with their appearance, but everybody fucking is. Well, what I mean is that like particularly for a woman, this is like real and serious and like a nightmare mm-hmm. because women are so often reduced to their value being in terms of their appearance. Very true. And for Cordelia, if she d- is not looking her best at all times, perhaps she will lose her value. And that obviously would be fucking scary for her. Mm-hmm. So but I feel you, Cordelia. And, well, and also she like builds her whole personality around being popular. Uh-huh, so. Exactly. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And a good, yeah, good little sidebar there. I like that. So uh, we got cut outside. Buffy is like really sullen from this conversation with yeah, her I dad. Yeah, this moody Buffy stroll. Yeah, and she sees Billy again, and he's going into the gym. So she follows him. Mm-hmm. I just have to say this is just weird little things I noticed in the background. First of all, there are these like Sunnydale banners that look very plain, and like they were just mm-hmm. made to hide some real banners that may have been there from the actual high school. Yeah. And... Their bleachers have these really weird, like, bolt things on the seats that look like they'd be kind of, like, they're, like, raised kind of brown bolts sticking out of the seats that look like they'd be kind of weird to sit on. Maybe they're supposed to divide them. I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was weird. I just really needed to say something about that. Right. So she follows Billy into the gym, and they have a conversation uh, she's like, oh, did something bad happen to you after your baseball game? He doesn't really remember anything. He just remembers playing, missing a catch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, wait, did that happen? Oh, that didn't ha- That doesn't happen nope. yet. Excuse me. He just remembers playing. Uh, he says he plays second base. And she asks if he's lucky 19. And he has like a visceral response to that. He's like, oh, he doesn't really say anything. And, uh, and then he says, that's what he calls me. 
Uh, and she asks who, and he says, the ugly man. He wants to kill me, and he hurt that girl, obviously, mm-hmm. talking about Laura. And Buffy asks why, but then uh, he says, he's here! And she turns around, and the ugly man uh, d- like punches the camera for our transition into the commercial break. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all I wrote for the ugly, I wrote, I called the scene ugly man surprise. And the only thing I wrote is <laughs> he's strong. He's strong. Yes. Uh, he's given Buffy a run for her money and she ends up kind of like having to limp out. The limp doesn't yeah. really come back. Well, and it looks in the, <laughs> when she runs out of the door in the next scene, it kind of looks like she's running and then she like remembers, oh yeah, I'm supposed to have a limp. And yeah, she, right. Like, starts limping, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but um and then this is a part of that we have lots of cuts in this part yeah. of the episode to everyone like living out their different first nightmares. we have it's faster if we split up yes and then willow's like i don't know if that's safer but they've right. already gone and then giles had a lot of time to grab a scarf to take with him right? <laughs> priorities he needed right. a paisley scarf and uh we have cordelia's chess team little episode here yes and i thought it was really funny because willow is clearly enjoying that little thing uh-huh she's, she's like visibly enjoying, like smiling and giddy about it enjoying cordelia's suffering which and because cordelia is like her bully so it kind of is like hat get it and take that bitch uh-huh and uh not uh not only is cordelia's hair super frizzy and like messy but she all her outfit has also changed yeah and she's in this like kind of like, like colonial turtle, woman outfit yeah, it's like a turtleneck and then a full like well it's full like length this, skirt it's kind of like this puffy white shirt and like this full length green skirt yeah. it is so funny looking and she's like i'm not even in the chess club <laughs> yes that's so funny yeah oh my gosh and before that uh buffy like has left the gym and she like puts this cane thing no it was a hockey stick oh uh, okay like a, a hockey, hockey stick, stick into like the door handles <laughs> to game. keep yes tell to, me your game don't know about sports without telling me your game don't know <laughs> yes. about sports <laughs> to uh to uh lock the ugly man in and uh this i i was a little confused about this so she's like we have to hide uh, we, we need to find my friends we have to hide and then he says that's what happens or no sorry sorry she says we have to hide and he says uh, no, she she says, excuse me, she says he'll just find us. And then Billy says, that's what happens. We hide and then he comes. And I was really confused about that. I don't like, understand why uh, he well, said that. I, it, it it makes sense because he's hiding. He's not facing his fear. Yeah. So like, and the, and the ugly man or whatever is coming, trying to find him and like, the point of the ugly man, the ugly man is not literally the guy that beat him up. It's like this avatar for the guy who beat him up. And so he's trying, the ugly man is like, you have to face me. And then he runs and hides again. My point is that Buffy says, if we hide, he'll find us. And Billy's like, basically Billy says, yeah, that's why we have to hide because he'll find us. (laughs) Like, I didn't understand that response. I don't even really know what you're talking about, to be honest, but I, I believe you. I just don't remember that. Um, well, it happened, and it really confused me. Okay. <laughs> so, back to the Willow scene. So, after all the Cordelia stuff, we see Willow going down into the basement because she hears someone calling her name. Mm-hmm. And once she's all the way down in the bottom, someone, like, grabs her at the shoulder, and we cut away. I liked her line before that. She's like, I'm not afraid. Yes. You'd think I'd be afraid, 
but I'm not. <laughs> yes. And uh, so after she gets grabbed, we cut to Xander for his Pennywise scene. Uh-huh. I had a, so I had a question about this. So he walks in, I can't remember where he is before, but he walks into like the building or whatever. And there are swastikas on the wall because mm-hmm. he's afraid of Nazis. Right. He mentioned Nazis. That's a nice little, that's kind of a thing where if you were, you know, not, you might be like, why is that there? Mm-hmm. But the rest of it is like, it's like the school and it's in disarray. It's like completely mm-hmm. destroyed. There's like lights hanging from the ceiling. All the lockers are open. There's also, there's like plastic all over the walls and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was wondering, this is clearly like everything else, everywhere else that everyone like goes to as part of their nightmare sequences is like something from their nightmares. Like Willow later is on stage. Like she has to be on stage as part mm-hmm. of her nightmare thing. And Buffy is in a graveyard. But Xander never says anything about this like setting that he's in. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that this is part of his nightmares. And mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what exactly it is. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Because I mean, you could just say it's generically like a creepy, uh-huh. deserted section of the school that's under construction yeah. or whatever. Or, but it could have been his house was under construction part of it during his birthday party. Or Yeah, I was wondering if like, I don't know, maybe it's like, maybe he's afraid that he's going to, I don't know, live somewhere that's like falling apart because he's poor or something like that. I also took note that there's a poster on the wall behind him at one point mm-hmm. that uh, is for a college fair. Mm, which I it could have been just like a random scenery thing but I don't necessarily think it's an accident right like because Xander's worried about his future or something yeah no I mean there's tons of subtle stuff in here but yeah he starts just eating candy bars off the ground which is funny and he finds um what is clearly a Hershey bar with (laughs) H's removed Uh which I thought was really funny and uh, one of them, I can't remember the name of the chocolate bar, but he's like, I the have a hurricane bar, uh, hurricane bar. I haven't had one of these since my sixth birthday. Right. Oh, and I'm actually this this uh, part of the episode cuts around so much that I actually skipped a couple of other things. But so uh, he says that and then a clown comes out from behind some of the plastic with a knife. Oh. And it's also funny that he's just been picking up these full-size chocolate bars off the ground and opening them and taking one bite and then going and grabbing another one. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like he doesn't even stop to eat the full chocolate bar. So after the first part of that scene, I guess we'll like leave the second part since we just talked Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, We see Buffy and they're outside and she's like, I was sure like this was going to lead to the library, but they're at the baseball field. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is when Billy starts to tell her more about baseball in the last game. Mm-hmm. He says, when you lose, it's bad. And in his last game, he missed a ball. And uh, it was all his fault that he lost. And Buffy's like, well, there weren't other people on your team. It can't be all this your fault. one ball made you lose the whole game. And uh, <laughs> the ugly man comes back to like uh, harass them. And he's like knocked some random person out. <laughs> I and didn't I, notice I that. Wrote, what? what happened to that guy that got knocked out? Yeah. <laughs> they look up and see him and there's just a dude on the ground because they hear like crunch. Oh. And there's this dude laying on the ground in front of him and he's I like running towards that. them. I was like, damn, what happened to that guy? Oh, also before that, she asks Billy, uh, did he hurt you after the game? 
Mm. And so when they see the ugly man, they go through these bushes. And when they go, come out the other side, they, it's nighttime and they're in the right. graveyard. Which is a really cool dream transition thing because that's uh-huh. something that's so dreamlike. You you turn a corner and you're suddenly in like a completely different like state or mm-hmm. house or building or something. And that transition was very cool too. Oh, yeah. They handled it really well. Come on, Bruce Seth Green. Uh, and then we cut to Willow living out her nightmare <laughs> of being an operatic soprano who wrote, doesn't know the words. I wrote the stagehand says, I hope you warmed up. It's an ugly crowd out there. All yes. the critics showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw that. And um, the tenor is that she sings with on the stage, um, he sings a little chunk from uh, Madame Butterfly. Yeah. And I just, I don't want to read this Italian part because I'll just butcher the pronunciation anyway. But this is what he's singing to her, which is intriguing. Dear child with eyes full of witchery, now you are all mine. Oh. You're dressed all in lily white. I love your dark tresses amid, amid your the white of your veils. Oh. Anyway, yeah, so... Very, oh gosh, there's a couple things in there. Extremely Damn. cheeky and in Italian to boot. So, Damn. Uh, All right, that was cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Thank you, IMDb, for pointing that out. That's what led me to that, to find the translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the He's like sings something that she's supposed to respond to and she doesn't sing anything. And then <laughs> This the is second, my favorite part of the yes. entire episode, And then actually. the second time he does that, instead of not saying anything, she's she like, goes, my, my turn. My turn? And he goes, no, no, no. Oh my gosh, but you missed my favorite. Oh, sorry. Part. She goes, my turn? And he goes, <laughs> and he yes. like, but he like hums it to like the same tune of how she said oh, it. Oh, yeah, She's yeah. She's like, my turn? And he's like, <laughs> and then she goes, ah. I love that part so much. Uh huh. And it then kills that's, me every time. That's when we actually get the second part of Xander's thing where he gets mm-hmm. chased with the cl- by the clown. The, where the clown laughing is almost so obnoxious, it's not even scary <laughs> yes. anymore. It's like scary, and then it's like, okay, this is a lot. Uh huh. The knife helps with right. the scare factor, but. And then we, it's like <laughs> it's like so fast, right? Uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit annoying. <laughs> and then we cut back to Buffy in the graveyard, and she says, "I don't see the ugly man or where the sun or the rest of the world went." Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that was another thing. Uh, I don't remember if you pointed this out when they when they come out of that door to the baseball by the baseball field. She's mm-hmm. like, "I swore this led to the library." Yeah, which is another dream thing. It's like. You think you're going one place and you end up mm-hmm. in somewhere completely different. Exactly. And so they come on this hole in the ground, a grave with like a coffin inside of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, oh, I, uh, Billy's like, I wonder who died. I guess we're going to bury someone. And we get the master reveal. He's yes. Like, Nobody died. What's the fun of burying someone if they're already dead? Yes, exactly. This is the first time Buffy sees the master, like actually in person. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what? And and my question is, when I was watching this the whole time, I was like, is this happening for real? Like, uh, does the master yeah. have a memory of this? I wonder. That or would... is this like a dream projection of the master? I, well, I think it's probably actually the master... Because I guess it could be a dream projection of him. Because he's not but... supposed to physically be able to leave. Well, the whole thing the is because he says, he's, he says, like, I mean, reality is, like, fucked Altering. up right now. But that's the point, though. You're supposed to wonder. Yeah. And they so... don't really answer it, which I think is neat. Yeah, there's no, way of, there's no way for us to really know if this is actually the master or not. Which, you know, 
I'm kind of inclined now, actually, talking about it, to say it's probably not. Mm-hmm. Because why would he just push her into the coffin and leave? Yeah, he would, like, break her neck or something. Yeah. So it's, it's probably not him. But, yeah. So Oh, he, he also mentions, mm-hmm. sorry, he mentions she's prettier than the last slayer. I wrote that down, too, and I was, like, comparing women based on their looks. <laughs> fucking right. patriarchy. Exactly. But I think that's intentional that the master is supposed to be this kind of shithead. Uh-huh. So, like, of course you are not supposed to like him. And maybe it's, like, a little bit what she thinks the master would be like. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, because... When she he like grabs her, she's like, "This is a dream. This is a dream." And he like grabs her throat, and he's like, "Or no, he says, a, a dream is a wish your heart makes." Yes. And then he grabs her throat, and he's like, "This is real life." Did you do you know what that's from? Yes, it's from Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Which Cinderella was released in 1950, right? And the master, the was master not was trapped in 1937. So. Either this is Buffy's projected image of the master, like we're saying, or some vampires had to haul a TV (laughs) and a VHS tape, (laughs) or possibly Betamax, Uh of Cinderella down to the master slayer for him to watch. Uh, so or maybe sit it next to the Kool Aid Blood Pool and watch or it. Or maybe uh, Alan, or no, Alan, maybe Howard Ashman. No, Howard Mas- Ashman didn't write that. Never Howard mind. Howard Ashman. <laughs> maybe Alan, Howard Ashman. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Just completely uh, discard that thought. Not so, Howard Ashman. So and oh, he also says you have Billy to thank for that because he's talking about mm-hmm. the world crumbling. And uh, he says, come on, Slayer, what are you afraid of? And he mm. pushes her down into the coffin. Okay. Now, I do, I, I get a lot of my trivia stuff from IMDb. Uh-huh. I take a little bit of a grain of salt, with a grain of salt. But what, I, this was in there a few times that it said, Sarah Michelle Geller has said publicly that she has actually a real fear of being buried alive. Oh. And in IMDb, it said that she actually like begged Joss Whedon not to Ugh. or to change the scene because she uh-huh. couldn't do it and he th- he felt like it was like super important to, for it to be this way. Okay. And so um she apparently like was really freaked out by it and like there's one that said she said she cried all the way home in her car after filming it or whatever. Jesus Which, Christ. I mean the filming of the coffin scene would have been open from the side. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not like they literally buried her and put. But they did also there. have to film her in she, like inside I was gonna of say, a box. Well, and she, and she did have to come out of like the dirt. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess that could have been a double. Yeah. But like, yeah. So that I was a, that was an interesting bit that like they said that some of the kind of like fear was real because yeah. she's actually afraid of that. That is just so fucked up. Like I cannot yeah. stand. Like you always hear these stories about directors being like, I actually. Uh, used a clown puppet on this person who's afraid of clowns. And, right. Or I, uh, oh, th- it was a real knife. It was supposed to be a plastic one. Or I don't know, stuff like that. And I guess it's, yeah, it, it's this whole thing where like people maybe excuse it because like the art that they got from it is good, Ugh. but it's still shitty. Yeah, like the whole, like, they're, anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah. Uh, that's why I wanted to point this out because I was kind of like. That's fucked up. I listened to, you know, once again, free advertising for a podcast that absolutely doesn't need it. But I listen to the office ladies and one of the things that they talk about all the time is how like their directors and like uh, the writers and stuff, if like the actors were not comfortable with something, they would change it or they Mm -hmm. would like ask them like, is this okay? Which I think is a really cool thing to do to be like, you know, 
make the people who are doing right. it as comfortable as possible. It's like Quentin Tarantino, like fucking getting Uma Thurman into a car wreck or whatever. Well, that wasn't on purpose, right? Yeah, but still, like it was dangerous. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the master shovels uh, dirt onto this coffin that Buffy's in while she's like banging on the top of it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when we cut. And Xander and Willow find each other. They've like run out of their respective oh, situations. Is, sorry, this is not important at all. But it is a casket, or sorry, it is a coffin. You say coffin, yes, because it is anthropomorphic. Yes, it is not a casket. It is a coffin. Right. Uh, so uh, they're like tell uh, <laughs> Willow, like kind of tells Xander about what happened to her, and Xander's like, "Remember my sixth, or remember my sixth birthday?" And she's like, "Yeah," she's like laughing. Yeah, when mm-hmm. the clown chased you and you went, and then they see the clown. Now I was wondering here when he went what when he went crazy when he went mm-hmm. went away mm-hmm. like I don't know when he went what like. If it I just, didn't even notice the word went. Honestly. I know. I I did. It was like because, like, if she just said when the when the clown chased you and you, mm-hmm. if it just stopped there, I would have been like, oh, and you were scared or you ran away, but you went like where to the bathroom in your pants. Yeah, like you went. I mean, she thought it was funny. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like it was this. You know, uh huh. I was deadly just, type thing. The, like that one little word. I was like. What? I don't understand. This is the episode of very minute tangents. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the uh, clown is chasing them. I know that I liked here in this scene because they're running from the clown uh-huh. and Giles comes up and is woefully unaware of his surroundings. He's yes. very casual, like no sign of Buffy. And Willow's like, ah! and then Giles is like, <laughs> when he sees the clown and then Xander's finally like, fuck this. And he turns around and just like decks the clown. Oh, what, just like Zach decked his microphone yes. just now. Anyway, I'll just say that again. So we can no. no. All right, fine. So I, <laughs> Xander decks the clown and then he's like, uh, you were a lousy clown. Your balloon animals were pathetic. Everyone can make a giraffe, yes. which was a very, was very great line. And it was, I thought it was cool that Xander was the first person to like, yeah. actually like face up to their fear. That was cool. And t- to Xander's credit, he does have this really kind of good quality sometimes of like when stuff gets really rough. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to do something. Yeah, he like gets in the zone and is suddenly like, uh-huh. he, he does something really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giles says in a few hours, reality will fold completely into the world of nightmares. It is so bright outside. Yeah, I noticed that too. I thought that was a really cool, yeah, like, uh, like detail. Very, very white and bright they, light. They see that there's this like pocket <laughs> dimension across the Excuse street. Excuse me, when did they put a cemetery in across the street? And, and when, when did, did they, they make, make it, it night over, over there? there? <laughs> yes, I thought that was funny. Yeah. And they walk into this little like pocket, like cemetery dimension mm-hmm. thing. And uh, someone says, whose nightmare this is this? And Giles says, it's mine, because they can see Buffy's tombstone. And he gives this really nice, I didn't write it down, but this really great monologue mm-hmm. speech about, like, uh, I pushed you too hard, but I the danger you. was so great, and you were so talented, or something. Uh-huh. And then Buffy's hand, Carrie style, like, pops up out of the mm-hmm. ground and grabs him. And, Very nice horror And reference. he's just like, wah! And he, yeah. like, <laughs> backs up. And Buffy comes out of the ground mm-hmm. and she says, I thought I was dead. And she's bumpy face. Right. And then she covers her face and we see, first of all, she just dug herself out of the ground, but she's totally clean now. <laughs> yes. But we do see an immaculate manicure. Like, Ooh, the oh, nails yeah. are done. And uh-huh. it's like, 
a perfect powder blue kind of to match her jacket. Yes. Very I nice that too. on the nails. Uh-huh. I, she's serving them all. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> she's like, oh, God, don't look at me. Right. And then we get this oh, and <laughs> bumpy Giles, pep talk from Giles. There's, yeah, there's also this like really like sweet moment where Giles is like, you never told me you dreamed of becoming mm-hmm. a vampire. Which is like, this is like, I imagine every Slayer has this nightmare. Right. Because, you know, they fight vampires. All well, the it does, it does seem like that would be like a goal, right? Like, get this person with superhuman strength and turn them into like a, a super vampire. Uh, okay. Well, that's an interesting like idea about the lore because my assumption was that if the Slayer were turned into a vampire, they would lose their powers mm. because they'd. Like, I, I imagined the Slayer thing being, like, a soul kind of thing. Well... Like, they were the chosen one. That's possible. And when they die, someone else is called. But so. there are other people who do have powers before they become a vampire. Uh-huh. And retain those powers hmm. as a vampire. That's so an interesting thought. There is precedent in the series for keeping them as a vampire. So, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. They never really do broach that in the main series, as far as I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought to think about. Maybe this, it's just too hard to feed on a slayer. This whole scene right here is just like Buffy's like afraid of being buried alive probably. Mm-hmm. Buffy is like afraid of dying at at 16. Buffy's afraid of becoming a vampire. Mm-hmm. Giles is afraid of failing Buffy and her dying at and 16 and not being able to read. And not being able to read. Oh my god. How did he know that was Buffy's grave? <gasps> He can't read. He just used context clues. Maybe he just, <laughs> maybe the nightmare uh, aura shifted just enough See, to let him read yes. that. So the, the, it was the cognitive dissonance of his nightmares. <laughs> so the, it just had to change the reality. Wow. Sorry, that just occurred to me like <laughs> in this so moment. Funny. I was like, wait a minute. How the fuck did he read that if he couldn't read? That is hilarious. Uh, so they're like, okay, we need to wake up Billy. Uh, Buffy, can you hold it together long long enough to help us? And she's like, okay, I think I can, but we better hurry because I'm getting hungry. Mm-hmm. And I like how they're like leaving and Willow's like, but how do we wake Billy up? Yes. And what if we can't? And Joe's like, Willow, do shut up. <laughs> yes, that, that was funny. <laughs> so we cut over to the hospital now. It's in complete disarray. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like running around. There are the- zombies. Uh-huh. And the doctor that We was- don't need food, Vama. We're zombies. <laughs> we don't need food, Vama. We're zombies. zombies. <laughs> uh, sorry again for and anyone who does not watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, yeah. If you don't like Drag All-Stars Race references, too. sorry about it. Sorry about it. Uh, you'll you'll look past it, I hope. And mm-hmm. uh, the doctor we saw earlier is looking at, is this, at his hands and he says, my hands. And I was like, is he afraid of having his nails painted? Because uh, yeah, that's like, all that looks different about them. Uh-huh, I agree. Maybe like, they're supposed to be monster hands. Or maybe or, he like couldn't move them or yeah, something. Yeah, I was like, maybe they're supposed to be necrotic somehow. But they were like, just paint the fingernails. Right. Uh, and so they go into the hospital room with Billy and they're like, how do we wake him up? And Giles is like, he just, just, just yells, yells at him. At him. <laughs> Billy, Billy. Yeah, I and, say Billy. And uh, Billy, the 12-year-old astral projection, is like, that's not going to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he says, I have to hide. The ugly man is coming. Uh, it's just really funny the way you just said that. Billy, <laughs> yes. the 12-year-old astral projection, is yes. like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And there's gigantic wasps flying around outside. Yeah, and uh, also, what the 
fuck kind of city did they take a picture to show this? <laughs> it looked this? like like somewhere in Italy. <laughs> I was like, like, this is not. You can you cannot expect me to believe that this is Sunnydale. It was like <laughs> it, it was like it was like Florence or something. It was it was like why? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess they I was do so confused. like that kind of architecture in California, but no, no, come off it, sis. <laughs> it, was, um, it was so yeah, crazy. No, I thought the same thing. Uh, I wrote giant bugs outside. What town is that? Right. <laughs> and then we get the big fight between Ugly Man and Buffy. Yeah. And in the fight, I just noted a couple times, you can really clock the bendy foam rubbery nature of that club arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he like just hits the wall and it like fully bends like <laughs> almost 90 degrees. I did not notice that. It's just, well, it's really quick. That's hilarious. Uh, so she ends up like breaking his arm and slamming him against the wall in the room. Mm-hmm. And Billy's like, Did, is he dead? And she's like, you have to do the rest. And so Billy walks up to him and like unmasks him Scooby-Doo style. And mm-hmm. then w- there's like a flash and the world is back to normal. And Billy wakes up from his coma. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, <laughs> oh, I think this is a Wizard of Oz reference. It is. He, okay. He said, I, cause I know this was in the Wizard of Oz, but I was like, is this definitely, uh, it definitely is a 100%. Wizard of Oz re- reference. Uh, he I says, thought, I put, before you get to the okay. reference, uh, <laughs> somehow Billy waking up magically put Buffy's jacket back on. She was not wearing it before. <laughs> well, I mean, it put, out. it changed Xander and Willow back into their normal clothes too. Oh, it did. Cause they were wearing mm-hmm. the kimono and the Sunnydale stuff. Yeah. You're right. Uh, that makes sense. So uh, he says, I had the strangest dream, and you were in it, and you, who are you people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And that's when his coach, his kitty league coach, mm-hmm. I hate that name. Kitty league? Bull. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he like tries to come into the room to visit Billy, and Buffy's like, or Is sorry. Is getting worse than Pee Wee? I feel like Kitty League is worse. All right. <laughs> and uh, so he says, he's my lucky 19. And bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And he says, how is he? And Buffy says, he's awake. Bitch. You, uh, you blamed him for losing the game. And Billy says, you said it was my fault that we lost. And he starts to try to run. And Xander and Giles grab him. And he just automatically puts his uh, arms behind his back, even though nobody is grabbing his arms, which I thought was really funny. Right. When I watched this episode this morning, I like kind of teared up a little bit. I like mm-hmm. I, I got a little misty eyed when I mean, this it's, happened. It's a pretty deep, like backstory of uh-huh. this kid getting abused exactly to the point of being knocked out literally put into, into a, a coma. fucking coma and buffy tells him nice going and then we cut to the obligatory like debrief outside of the school and uh <laughs> willow says it was heroic uh that xander grabbed the coach to like keep him from getting away which i thought was mm-hmm. you know, it's willow crushing on xander again but also like xander does does a couple of nice things in this episode yeah and uh Buffy's, credit where credit is due we'll give xander his yeah. roses uh-huh buffy's dad comes to pick her up and he he like everyone else does not seem to remember anything mm-hmm. <laughs> willow asks xander if he was still attracted to buffy <laughs> when she was a vampire and he's like trying to he's like well she was grotesque and bleh. oh and bef- yeah and then he's he says he's like i'm, I'm sick i need help don't I? Uh, and Willow he says, says "Don't like I know it? It's bent or something." Yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, anyway, but before all that, Buffy's like, "I just can't believe a kitty league coach would do that." And Xander says, "And I have said almost this verbatim <laughs> on the show." 
then you obviously haven't played Kitty League. I'm surprised it wasn't one of the parents. Mm-hmm. And that is a really quick mention of how super toxic kids sports parents are. Right. <laughs> Especially around these around these parts. Around these parts, I tell you. I mean, just people like cussing empire uh, empires <laughs> people cussing umpires and like getting kicked out of peewee games of games where the children are in like early elementary school mm-hmm. if i don't think any i mean if you're listening to the podcast and i'm talking about you i'm sorry you suck but like <laughs> what oh no i mean if you're that kind of person yeah absolutely <laughs> like it you're just you just need to know that you are bad uh-huh but like, it's just such a strange thing to get so worked up about something like right. that. Okay, so well, that is the end of the episode. Oh, hold oh. on. Okay, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that Buffy was, or that Xander was hot for Buffy as a vampire, and yet he cannot get over the fact that Buffy is into Angel. Mm, yep, he is very I pissed agree. about that all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's fine when he wants to do it. Yep. All right. All right. And that is the episode. Overall, this one was um, much better than I remembered it from my early watches. I remembered it being good. And like I said, this is one of the few episodes I actually remember from this season. There's a lot of, I'm pretty sure I actually just had never even watched. But uh, I remembered it being pretty good. And it was better than I remember. Yeah. Well, one of the things that had kind of turned me off on it was the whole anointed mm-hmm. billy being like almost yeah, the same right. per- like they could be twins um and that's why i thought it was silly but really that was just me being not observant <laughs> yeah right well uh no one died this episode yeah, uh, no a little break a little break for sun sunnydale here so we're gonna go straight to rating the episode uh, as we go through the series we'll give each episode a rating from one to ten stakes so zach how many stakes would you give this episode I gave it six point five out of ten stakes. Oh, I was I went I thought about seven, and you might talk me up if you I don't know or whatever during this discussion. But I just think that the concept was like a twist on something that we've seen a lot, and it was a mm-hmm. decent twist. Uh, the storytelling was really subtle and well done, uh, especially the slow build, and then we just eventually, like after we've had several little instances, we finally get the like Xander pantsing yeah. thing is the real like mm-hmm. you know his clothes like moment. literally disappear off of yeah. his body um, the restraint of the writers is really impressive because they could have easily turned this into a series of just info dumps where uh-huh. they're like and when this happens this happens and blah 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 and this <laughs> is happening because da 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 we don't really need to know why it's happening like the kid the hellmouth that's really all the explanation we need yeah and uh I it doesn't really tie into the main story too much except for highlighting, you know, Buffy's fears about being too weak to slay the master. Um, the stakes of it showing us the, the stakes of like Buffy could die. Right. Yeah. And like reminding it, like giving us this visual of her being in a grave. Um, and overall, this is a much, much more solid episode than I remember. Um, I always skipped it before, but and just to just to make sure I heard you right, you said six point five. Uh huh. Okay, this is. 
I was I thinking about wildly seven. Wildly disagree with you. What did you say? I'm giving this episode nine states. Damn. I thought this episode was fantastic. Uh, the only reason it's not ten for me is because of the hospital scene and because it's a little bit slow in the beginning. Everything else I thought was amazing. Like, mm. I think it's a really wonderful exploration into the characters and their minds. It shows to me that the the writers, the creators, and just, like, everyone involved, like, really understands these characters and, like, cares about them and, like, n- cares what they think and what their fears are and about their motivations and things like that. You know what? Sorry, go ahead. And, <laughs> and I just thought, like, the plot I thought was coherent i i didn't mm-hmm. like there weren't any like cr- moments where i thought things weren't making sense or like why is this happening yeah i didn't i think it fits in really well with the show unlike a uh, praying mantis that turns into a woman or like, <laughs> right hyenas nothing about that episode comes uh, episode ever comes back yeah right and uh like and there's also some foreshadowing here like this stuff doesn't all just mm-hmm. go away uh, we see a little bit of the master and Colin and uh, the, it, even though some of the master in it might just be like a construction from this nightmare reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still like gives us a look into how Buffy thinks about the master and right. uh, what an interaction with Buffy and the master might look like. And there's just so many great things. The directing is so great. The story is so great. The dialogue, I think, was so great. The scene between Hank and Buffy is, like, the fav- my favorite exchange between two characters I have seen in this entire season so far. Mm-hmm. This is a fantastic episode. I'm giving it a 9. You know what? You've taught me up to an, a sensible 8. Oh, a 6.5 to an 8. I, well, I was going 6.5 to 7 back and forth. Uh-huh. But you've taught me up to an 8. You got me up a whole 1.5. You're welcome. Uh, this yeah. episode, well, I liked this episode more than Angel. As we were talking about it, I kept kind of realizing, like, damn, this is a, I might this even is like a it, well-built episode. I might even like it more than The Harvest. It's mm. really good. I, I really, I mean, really like this episode. the acting is much stronger. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, mo- mostly because Luke isn't in it. Uh-huh. And Darla. Yeah, You're right. not leaving. Tell me fat. <laughs> right. All right, anyway. So let's go ahead and move on then to the episode MVP. Kyle, who is your MVP for this episode? Who slayed it for you? The only choice for me is Billy. Mm. Billy is my MVP for this episode. I mean, literally, if it weren't, I mean, they would be living in a nightmare dimension if Billy had not been able to, like, go up, face his fear, Scooby-Doo unpeel the ugly man's mask. And then, even after that, he stands up to his coach. Nice. You know, okay, so I thought about Billy... But I felt like I really actually had to give this one to Buffy. Uh Uh-huh. That's fair. Because she discovers the connection between all the weird goings-on and Billy. Uh Uh-huh. And without her building that relationship with Astral Billy, with his asteroid body, (laughs) um, he might not have... They might not have ever gotten out. The world might have just fallen into this nightmare dimension because... Billy didn't want to face Uh the guy. And, like, she talked him into it and, like, literally held his hand... To help him finally do it. Mm-hmm. And so. this is one of, this is, uh, as we've been watching this season, one thing I've noticed that I haven't, re- hasn't really been in my brain as much thinking about the show is uh, 
Buffy has a lot of empathy. Like, oh, yeah. none of the characters show as much empathy as she does for these people that she's helping. Mm-hmm. And I that was never like a, a character trait I would have used to describe Buffy before. Not because right. I would say she does not have empathy, but because I didn't just associate it with her. But through this whole season, like, yeah. her empathy for these people is what part of what allows her to figure these things out and save the fucking world. Yeah, no. No, you are absolutely correct. It's that. And we've talked about her being observant, mm-hmm. but she is observant because she really cares about these other people. Right. She's worried about them, even, especially like the underdog people that might go unnoticed. Even think back to which, like she even noticed that Cordelia was acting weird at her locker. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. Yeah. So, uh, right. yeah. So we've Billy, got and Buffy, Billy and Buffy. The two B's. <laughs> Bibi. <laughs> Bibi. Bebez. <laughs> I don't think so, Bibi. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Zach, uh, it's time for you to give us a brief queer analysis of this episode. Okay. Um, I kind of spun this really into something big. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. We're at an hour and 52 minutes. Yeah, I know. But it's a good episode. It's steep. Uh, yeah, I mean, do what you do what you must. So, anyway... Here goes my dissertation about this queer episode or queer theme of this episode. I think the queer theme of this episode can really be summed up in the scene where Hank Summers is sitting on that bench with Buffy and tells her all the worst things she thinks about herself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, growing up gay, there those are some pretty specific fears I think that a lot of gay kids and queer kids and trans kids and all the LGBTQIA plus thousand other letters rainbow have in uh, the back Zach- of their head. <laughs> I just want to say Zach is not saying that in the uh, homophobic way that most no, people usually I'm, say. I'm it. just trying to make sure I include everybody who is under that umbrella. <laughs> so anyway, all of the letters, and if I forgot your letter, I'm real sorry. But everybody, uh, again, he is not trying to imply that you are a snowflakes who will get butt hurt because he didn't say a specific letter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying that genuinely. My voice always sounds sarcastic, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Um, so yeah, you might ev- as well say Alphabet Mafia. I everybody, am so sorry. Keep going. <laughs> everybody under the umbrella um, has experienced something like that of that fear of. Uh, this threw me off of what I was saying. I am so sorry. <laughs> so growing up gay, there are these really specific fears like that that we have in our mind, and you know, today it's not ideal still, but it's come a long way from where it was even when we were growing up. And definitely further back in history. Mm -hmm. Um, But all those fears are still there. Um, But being rejected, ridiculed, and even physically harmed by friends and family is this distinctly possible outcome for us living as our authentic selves. And I know that when I was a closeted gay kid growing up in the like late 90s, early 1000s, I was really afraid of having this kind of similar exchange between Buffy and Hank with like a family member or a friend. I had this one friend who I came out to him and he, I told him like, I was really scared to come out to you. Have I come out to a few? I took, I came out to my sister first actually. Uh, and she was the first person that I knew that I told her I was gay because I guess we just had this really strong relationship and I could trust her, but shout out Jen. And, <laughs> um, anyway, I told this friend of mine, you know, I was really afraid to tell you. I've told a couple other people and he was like, well, like, why were you afraid to tell me? And I was like, just because this relationship is really important to me. 
And even though it might be kind of an outside risk that that would be broken by something like this, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that people have to deal with. Uh, and so it kind of all ties into this idea of being afraid to experience that rejection and afraid to come out of the closet. Luckily for me, uh, almost every person I told gave me a good reaction. Can I just add something? Mm-hmm. Specifically what links that to this episode is one of the things Buffy's dad says to her is all is that all the trouble she's caused is one of the reasons mm-hmm. he does not like having her as and a daughter. Like, how could you like how how would you feel if you had a daughter like you or something? Exactly. Like that? It's like something about her that she cannot change. Right. Like she's the slayer. That's why all this trouble happens around her. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. No, great point. And I also just want to add a little thing that if you were a listener who is anything that I've listed, gay, queer, trans, bi, um, any of the other members of the uh, LGBT community, um, of any age who is still in the closet, I just want to like kind of reach out to you and assure you that it's just a deeply personal process that you just have to navigate in a way that feels the most comfortable and authentic to you. So whether you need to wait until you feel safe and comfortable with it uh, to come out, or you are the kind of person who just needs to like rip the bandaid off and get it out there. um, You know, whatever you need to do, that's up completely up to you. And, you know, being afraid that you'll lose family and friends is a very valid fear and understandable, but just know that family is always out there to be found, whether it's your blood family or blood family (laughs) or your chosen family. Whether uh, it's your parents or whether you are an asteroid body seeking (laughs) help from a vampire slayer. Right. What a nice little bow on that. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, that was my... A doctoral dissertation about the queer theme of this episode. I mean, you kind of built that up as being very lengthy, but uh, it seemed it seemed like a normal length to me. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe they're just all long. Uh, that <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. is correct. <laughs> yeah, it's me. We love it though. Thanks. <laughs> all right, so we've discussed the queer themes. It's time to move on to the gayest moment of the episode. I'm interested to see what you say, Kyle. What is the gayest moment? Yes, uh, Zach gets to say all the intellectual a- analysis stuff, and I get to give the gayest moment. It was the minute, it was when the kid referenced Wizard of Oz, wasn't it? Uh, the, I had thought about that, <laughs> but there is one moment of this episode that is such pure camp mm-hmm. that I cannot not choose it, and it is Cordelia with frizzy hair and a colonial woman outfit being dragged into chess club. That is high camp. Yes. <laughs> that mm. is the gayest moment of this episode followed uh, i don't do honorable mentions but for this one we have to have an honorable mention of the wizard of oz reference mm-hmm. so you admit it you do do honorable mentions <laughs> i don't except for right now <laughs> i don't except for when i do uh, but yeah no i i i agree that the whole cordelia thing is like a john waters movie yes exactly so, perfect yes, yeah i loved it all right I, I agree completely so that is our episode zach do you want to tell everyone where they can find us why certainly i do thank you so much for listening first of all and if you liked what you heard, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you've listened to enough uh, Spotify episodes, you can do the same there. 
Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at BuffyGazePod. Yes, and please reach out to us uh, via email if you'd like at BuffyGaze at gmail.com. Or you can even leave us a message with voice or just text at anchor.fm slash BuffyGaze. This has been our 10th episode of Buffy Gaze. Mm-hmm. Join us next week and we'll be discussing episode 11, Out of Mind? out of sight (laughs) till next time i've been kyle and i've been zach and we are your buffy Buffy gays happy slaying